0: Hey, so I want to talk to you real quick about Canva. Canva is amazing. If you've never used Canva, you are missing out. Here's the deal. Back in the day, we used to like have to learn complicated, difficult to understand, you know, design software stuff. And it was like not very easy, right? I never really got good at it. And it was a huge obstacle for me because I wasn't able to create beautiful things I wanted to create until I discovered Canva. So with Canva, you can easily create social media posts. Like I'm talking all different sizes. There's sizes custom for each platform. You can even create Instagram stories, Facebook stories, everything in Canva. You can also create presentations. You can even create business cards in Canva. You can do it all. I absolutely love it and I use it every single day in my own business and I also use it in the work that we complete for our clients. It's absolutely the most used tool in all of my businesses for sure. I wanted to tell you about it because I don't want you to miss out any longer. Try Canva Pro for free for 30 days and support the Social Sunshine Podcast and you are going to love it. All you got to do is go to socialsunshinepodcast.com slash try Canva Pro. Bye. Let's get started. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Social Sunshine Podcast, episode 119. I am your hostess, Brittany Crosson. Hello. If you've never been here before, well, welcome to the party. A uh, Big focus of the show, if you're not familiar, is social media marketing. So we talk a lot about social media, about uh, making content for social media, and also about you know, general online marketing and general just business ownership. It can be a lonely journey to be an entrepreneur, especially whenever you get out into the world of social media and you're um, showing up and putting your face in front of people and on camera and you're doing all these things. It can feel lonely and it can feel uncomfortable, so we are here as a community together and um, to help each other out and to learn from each other. I have fantastic guests, and today is no different. It's a really special episode today because my guest is Dr. Hala Sabri, and she is not only a client of mine, but I also consider her a friend now. She is um, a really fantastic woman who has done really, really cool things as a physician and also in the online marketing world. It's pretty darn cool. It's kind of funny because, you know, we talk about what's, what's new, what's new, what's new when it comes to social media, right? Like recently, the CEO of Instagram was talking about how now they're going to have subscriptions, and which is very cool. We're going to have to dig into that and find out a little bit more information. Um, and we, you know, TikTok. You know, you can have multiple people on a live video now. I know that LinkedIn is coming out with a whole bunch of new features very soon. Like, there's always something new happening, and we're always trying these new things out, right? As social media marketers and business owners, and that's fantastic. But there is nothing like, nothing like a good old Facebook group. I mean, really, the the power of a Facebook group is huge, if done right, and that's where Hala's story comes into play in this whole thing. Um, not only is she a physician, she's a mother of five. I mean, Homegirl's got so much going on, and on top of all of that, she leads this community, Physician Moms Group, which is also known as PMG, and they have... Facebook groups, and they have over 100,000 members. It's enormous. And I have the privilege of actually working with with Hala on um, a bunch of marketing projects for PMG. And it's really been cool to see behind the scenes of how she and her team are running this this Facebook group, this community, this, this huge group of physicians. It's, it's, it's really been a great learning experience for me as a marketer and just as a person to really witness this whole process and now, of course, you know, be a part of it and try to contribute um, what I know to help them out as well. And and I'm so excited for you to hear about this because Hala is sharing her. I mean, we talked for a while, so get comfy and get ready to be inspired because she's sharing about her entire story from, you know, before PMG even existed all the way until now and what it's turned into and the amazing things that it's, that's happening with PMG. And then also these new, these new avenues, it's taken her in her own career into, you know, some different ventures and whatnot and how it's all kind of connected. And, um, if you're, if you have a Facebook group, if we want to get specific, or if you want to have a Facebook group, an online community, um, in general, this is the episode to listen to this is the expert. The experts go to her to learn. Okay, <laughs> um, it's it's a great it's a great episode for you. I I think that you're going to learn a lot about specifically Facebook groups, but also about taking that community off of off of social media and having connections elsewhere, and then also just really um, hearing this this mom's story of her real life struggles and how she has overcome them. I mean, really, I just can't say enough. So I'm, I, I cannot wait for you to hear, um, hear from Holly here in just a second. Before we do that, I just want to make sure you know about a free download that we have for, uh, my community, my mastermind membership that I run small biz social society, so we have a free download that's called How to Be an Instagram Content Machine. <laughs> and um, it's, it's, just, it's just four steps. It's going to walk you through and really simplify it for you so you can look at it with, um, uh, with a perspective where it doesn't feel quite as overwhelming to really be pumping out content on Instagram on a regular basis and also so you're not like living on the platform 24-7 because nobody got time for that. So to get the free download, all you got to do is go to smallbizsocialsociety.com and right there toward the top of the website, you're going to see an image that's how how to be an Instagram content machine, da-da-da, you click there, put in your email address, boom, you get sent the free download immediately. So I just wanted to make sure you knew about that, especially if you're trying to really really optimize your Instagram this year because it's going to help you and it's going to pay off if you stick with those steps and you really stay consistent and strong. So I hope that's helpful for you. I'm going to shut my mouth because I want to hand over the mic to Hala as soon as possible. She has so much goodness to offer. Do not sleep on this episode. Tune in, listen, take notes, do what you got to do. You're going to be inspired. You're going to be excited. You're going to be educated and it's going to be fan freaking tastic. Coming up next is my guest, Dr. Hala Sabri. Today's guest is a board-certified emergency medicine physician, a feminist leadership coach, the founder of Physician Moms Group, aka PMG, and a super mom of five with two sets of twins. Balancing her career in medicine with her roles as a mother and entrepreneur was initially challenging. She created PMG seven years ago to offer emotional availability and support to women like her, which now supports over 116,000... Members. She now also offers high performance coaching to professional women in male dominated professions who feel unseen and unheard in a quest to develop their personal brand and become a confident thought leader. She believes that a community leader. As a community leader, she has a responsibility to forge a path for other women and to elevate her fellow physician mothers. She's collaborated with leading Fortune 500 companies and international organizations to further her work advocating for women physicians, patients, and children. And a fun fact, this is a really fun fact, she used to be a Disneyland Attractions cast member. Welcome to the Social Sunshine Podcast, my client and friend, the wonderful Dr. Hollis Sabri. I thought you were going to say, you know what's so funny? I thought you were going to say, fun fact, she's my client.
1: (laughs) And so the Disneyland thing threw me off, but I, oh (laughs) my God, I love Disneyland so much. Uh, And that like takes me back. And it's so funny because every time um, I mention Disney, like cast member, like that's all everybody wants to talk about. And (laughs) like, honestly, that's all I want to talk about too. So like, it's a good mutual I'll try to keep
0: you back on track. We can can (laughs) talk about Disney for a few minutes, but you know. Um, No, no, no. Let's talk about community. It is really cool because Disney is so, um, so beloved and so special and, and, you know, all, I mean, across the world. Right. And it's means something different to everybody and all ages and all everybody. It's, it's actually like kind of like this universal, like happy place. I feel like physically and figuratively. <laughs> But I
1: think that's like where I learned. I learned like a lot of the skills I use now. Um, you know, I worked there for eight years. So I worked there from high school to college. And then I worked part of medical school, but I had to quit because, you know, medical school is hard and I had to like pay attention to it. Um, so I worked until I was a second year medical student. And, um, you know, Disney, There's there's really good reason why Disney is used as a case study for almost every business class um and I think that one of the things I learned is just what you said like Disney means I mean there's some people are probably listening to this like I hate Disney and that's cool (laughs) um you don't you don't have to like it but Disney for billions of people um is it means something very special to them whether they go to Disneyland for celebrations they have like family memories or like they're going there cause it's like a death wish. I, I've seen that a lot, like people who are on hospice or make a wish foundation, um, which are not always death wishes or anything like that, but like there's, you know really sick people, you know, yes. that go and it's something that lifts their spirits. And I think that there's something about the escapism and yeah. the magic and really seeing the best in everybody and the cultures and the whole idea of like, it's a small world and we all have the same struggles. Um, and we can come together in this place and eat churros and popcorn and ride rides, right? So like, I think it's just really interesting and to, you know, fast forward um, and to think that even though like PMG is not Disneyland cause I don't offer churros or anything like that but like, just to think that like it's that place for a lot of people, right? Like some people go in there like, hey, look what I created. You know, I'm totally smashing the patriarchy. And there's some people who are like, I'm really, really struggling. You know, I've taken a pay cut cause of COVID you know, I'm, I, I think I'm getting pushed out. I'm losing my job. You know, I, you know, my kids, you know, when my kids was diagnosed with, you know, something, whatever it may be. So it's a really a potpourri of really the human experience. And I think it's, I mean, I don't know. So I think now looking back, there's no wonder why, like, I think Disney is just like my foundation.
0: Yeah. Um, I learned a lot. <clears throat> it's a good foundation. And, and yeah. you know, we could do PMG churros, like we could figure that shit out. <laughs>
1: We need them. We need them.
0: Maybe, I mean, if, if
1: anyone, if anyone from Disney is listening, let, let's collaborate. Okay. Because we need, we need some, some kind of Disney merch. That's right.
0: PMG. Yes. Let's get that going. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, all right. Speaking of PMG, um, which is what we work on together and it's, it's really um, I'm, I like that I get to see behind the scenes and just, you know, if you open up your mind and your heart in, in these situations, like what I'm in with you, I'm able to soak in goodness and, and learn and, and have fun and, and see a different side and perspective to all of it. And because I don't have the perspective that you have as a physician, I'm not a physician. So, um, I've loved, I've loved it, but I would love if you would give the audience a little bit of insight on PMG past what I said in the intro. So like, why the heck did you even start it? Um, from the get go, as seven years ago, right?
1: Yeah, in two thousand fourteen. So you know, we're almost at you know the eighth year. I started it, um, you know, to be honest, because I wanted to quit. I couldn't do it. I, um, and I wasn't burnt out. Like a lot of people ask me, like, oh, you must've been burnt out. Um, and you know, burnout, like, wasn't like really part of my vocabulary, like eight years ago. Like, I mean, I'm sure if you look up the history of burnout, it probably is an old term, but I feel like it's more recent, especially with COVID. Um, and I wasn't burnt out. I just felt like for the first time, you know, I mean, I did, you know, school came easy for me, you know, um, you know, I did well in college and, you know, I thought medical school was super fun. I didn't think it, I mean, I, I'm not going to say medical school wasn't hard. It's just, it was fun. It was a lot of fun yeah. and I loved it. I love the material. I actually did my business degree while I was in med, um, in medical school. So I have a dual degree. So I just really loved, I just love school. I'm a, a real big nerd. Um, but I think one of the things I didn't face or I didn't, I was very blind to, or maybe I just chose not to see it was like sexism and now, looking back, there was a lot of examples of it, right? But uh, when I was going through it, I was like, well, I'm doing well, like I'm, no one's holding me back, you know, um, although like when I look back, I, I, I don't think that's actually true. And that's actually, that's very not true for other women in my class. And so even if I'm not being held back, uh, that doesn't mean that I mean, know, that's not an experience, it. right? right. <clears throat> um, but uh, fast forward, I, I, um, I hit a lot of sexism I was facing infertility while I was a resident. So when you graduate from medical school, you have to do some training. I did four years of training in emergency medicine and that's called residency. Um, if you watch Grey's Anatomy, like they're all residents. And so uh, for the first couple seasons, at least. So, um, so there was a lot of sexism there. Like my program director, just there's a lot of examples of that. And I was like, I just ignore it. I was like, oh, when I get out of here, it's going to be better. Well, it was worse. And then I finally ended up having a kid and basically I was passed over a promotion Um, So all of this like world of like what I was going to do, how I was going to augment, like all of the leadership stuff I learned at Disney, and I was going to change healthcare and I was going to advocate for physicians and, and patients alike. It was just smashed. Like, it was like, you have to choose, like, this is what I thought my choices were. You have to choose between being a mom or being a doctor. Um, And I think you don't have to be a doctor to, to understand what I'm saying. I think every working woman feels that way. Like men, if they do the slightest thing, like (laughs) <laughs> oh, I have to pick up my kid from school. They're like, oh my God, he's such a good dad. He's such right? a good dad. It's so cute. He picks up the kids. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Like, look at that dedication, right? But if a woman does it, it's like, oh crap. Is she going to be calling off tomorrow because of her kid? You know? So like. And I was the only woman in my group for a while that, I mean, I only had, there was only other one woman, one other woman, but I was the only one with kids. The other woman at that time was like not even married, like total extreme sports, like did not want to have kids. She ended up having a kid later on, um, like years down the line. Um, and so I was like, well, crap, like if, you, if anybody, I don't care who you are, if you're given the ultimatum between your job and your family, I think like 99.9% of the people are just going to choose their family, you know? Right. Um, so that's what I did. I was like, I got to choose my family. So what's my exit plan here? How do I get out of medicine? And in my mind, what was blocking me is that I had this like loan that I had to pay off for student loans. And I owed, I got a 50% loan to, to medical school. I mean, 50% scholarship to medical school. So I only owed $150,000, which sounds, you know, probably ridiculous to a lot of people listening. That's a lot of money. But, um, but yeah, it is a lot of money. So how I had nice. that, <laughs> I know half, I was a deal, you know, two for one. <laughs> um, and I also had my IVF stuff that I had to pay for and, you know, my insurance didn't cover it or anything like that. So that was like another $150,000 that I had to figure out. Um, and a lot of people, you know, $300,000, a lot of money, maybe there's some people listening that's like, Oh, that's a drop in the bucket for me. But for me, it was not. And so I was like, crap, how can I get out of this? And so it was more like my only answer that my brain was offering me was, if you wanna make more money, you gotta work more. So I was literally working like two full-time physicians as if that number of shifts, two full-time physicians. I was like super tired. I was not a nice person. I was like lashing out at everyone near me. Um, and then also really stressed out. I was like counting my pennies. I was just like, oh my gosh, how much is this nanny? Like, what the heck, right? And so that's actually how PMG was born. I was like, how? Like even though I don't, I don't work with women, like at my hospital, it was a really rural hospital in California. Like, I think there was only like eight women in the whole hospital that were on staff, like for women physicians. And a lot of them were like, they had college age kids. So every time I would ask them questions, they were like, Oh, you'll, you'll miss this time. I'm like, I'm not missing anything right now. I'm like struggling. <laughs> I feel like I'm dying, you know? Um, and then every time I talk to the nurses, I'm like, Oh, like, what do you do? And they're like, Oh, Dr. Stopper, you're so smart. Like, you're going to figure it out. And I'm like, and then it's like, that's, and like as a woman physician, like you can't, like I thought at that time, like, I can't like admit my faults because then, you know, it discredits all of your work. Right. And all of your, you know, proficiency. So, um, and who wants a doctor that can't figure out how to pay her nanny. Right. Like, I mean, who, like, you know, why, <laughs> why would you trust me with your life? Right. Um, uh, but the truth is like, I feel a lot more confident, like, you know, doing CPR and, and seeing patients and sometimes hiring a nanny. That's the truth of it. But you know, that's how it started. So I was, uh, there was a girl that I was very intimidated by. Um, I've known her all my life. Like our parents went to medical school together and she happened to be pregnant at the same time. So I already had one kid and I was like chugging along and then I got pregnant with twins. And she also was pregnant with twins. That was was her first pregnancy. And so she had her kids three weeks before I had mine or six weeks before I had mine. So when the babies were three weeks old, I reached out to her and I was like, dude, like, she's always so beautiful. She's always put together. She's so polished. She's so smart. She's smarter than me. Um, She's so amazing. Uh, I was like, I'm going to put my tail between my legs. I'm going to text her and ask her like how to hire a nanny. So I text her. I was like, hey, like, you know, how are you going to do this? And she was like, you know, what? I've been thinking about this a lot. And I was, I don't know, I was going to reach out to you because you have more experience than I do because I, you have a kid. I was like, oh, no, like, <laughs> this is not a good situation. This is like the blind leading the blind. Um, and so when we realized that both of us were kind of intimidated of one another, which is funny because, you know, us women are always sizing up each other, right? And so... Mm-hmm. Um, that's something I wish we would stop, but I was like, well, I was in like a buy, sell trade group at the time. This is like when Facebook groups were super new. Okay. Um, this is like 2014, you guys. So I was in like some kind of buy, sell trade group and I was like, oh, and I, and there was another group, sorry. There was another group that was a physician group um, and it was for m- women physicians that were minorities. And so mm-hmm. that gave me the example That like hey like doctors could talk online although they didn't really talk about parenting or anything it was like uh very social justice driven uh which is really progressive for their time you know because now you know we're seeing a lot more of that now um so yeah so i was like you know what like maybe i'll just make a group of 20 people we'll keep it super secret and private because i don't want to tell anybody that i don't know what the hell i'm doing right and we'll see what happens. So this is eleven p m. at night. This is like this this whole conversation I'm telling you guys about is eleven p m. at night. So I'm like, I gotta do this now because I'm having chest pain and shortness of breath, and I feel like I'm dying from anxiety, and I've never experienced that before. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just never have. And so i I made the group. How did I choose those twenty people? Um I either went to medical school with them and like, I thought they were nice, and their profile picture had a kid. And I was like, hey, like, I hope that's your kid. And they look like (laughs) under five. (laughs) They looked under five. So I was like, okay, they're not going to be like these college, Mm -hmm. you know, moms that are like, oh, you're so cute, you know? Um, You know, and so I just picked people that I had like, you know, had crossed paths with in medicine. And so I just picked 20 people and well, 18, I guess me and, you know, my other friend too. And they were all awake. They're all in different parts of the country. It's 11 PM Pacific time. They're all awake. And I asked my, you know, nanny question. They all answered it. I immediately felt like I had superpowers, like I knew what I was doing. Um, and then they started asking questions. And one of their questions was like, can I add a friend? And I was like, oh gosh, no. Like this <laughs> means more people are gonna know, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Um, but I was like, well, how can I be like, I, I wanna be inclusive, right? So I was like, sure. I'm like thinking, well, if everybody has one friend, then that's 40 people, that's cool, right? right? Well, the next day I woke up and it was 200 in the first week there was a thousand first month there was 3000 and then you know it keeps climbing 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 and then there was a point where I actually had to stop the growth I didn't want to close the group but I had to stop the growth and we could talk a lot about you know community and how you do community management or community organization this is stuff like I never learned in school or at Disneyland um so <laughs> I this is new to me um and I actually had to seek out formal training for it really oh I didn't yeah. know that you did <clears throat> you 200 people the next day that is yeah that's major
0: that's not easy. I know so
1: so for those of you guys listening like i don't know if anybody that's listening has started a facebook group and sometimes it's wildly successful and sometimes you're like oh my god is anyone hearing me am i just like talking to the wind um and that is normal everything that you have experienced is normal right like because facebook groups are the statistics on them if you look up the statistics like there's like millions of groups that are formed every day and only 20% of them actually thrive and grow. Wow. Uh, I feel like there's like the same statistics for getting pregnant or something (laughs) like, you know, like only 20% of pregnancies actually move forward, right? And so it's like a baby though, you gotta nurture it. You gotta nurture it, you gotta love on it. You gotta like give a lot to your community in the beginning. Right. And then you give a lot later, but in a different way, you know, and that's kind of the stage I'm in at, I'm at now, but I think like focusing on that, those early days for people who are listening, like, I think that's really important because they may look at me and go, I would never have a hundred, over a hundred thousand people in my group ever. Right. Right. Um, And I'll tell you, i never thought I would too. So like, how did I do it? Let's talk about that. And how can you actually do it? And I, and I think that Brittany, you're a big part of that. I know that I already have the people when I, when I've met you and I started working with you but you're a really big piece to the quality aspect of what I'm trying to do for the group. And now I have the audience. A lot of people are just like, I just need the audience. I just need the audience. Now I have the audience. And it's like, what do you do with that? Then you have like this responsibility. Yes. Like, what do you do with that? And, and how do you, and how do you, how do you do it for good? And, and, and what's the legacy of that group going to be like, what's going to be the long lasting stamp of legacy of my group on the wave of women, feminism, in medicine um, right. that I'm hoping my kids will hear about and know about. Right. You know, my kids are, you know, they're ages three to eight and I have four girls, you know, I want them when they're older to see the, you know, the ripple effect of PNG. And That's I it. can only do that if I infuse quality now.
0: Right. Yeah. And well, they're definitely going to see it. And, and I like what you said about, you have like this responsibility to the community. And I wanted to ask you specifically about that because you're so good at that and and, and also about like when you start and really nurturing the community big time, of course you do, like you said, you, you gain momentum essentially over time. And so it does start to kind of flow better and it's not, doesn't seem so, so um, like so much hard work, but I want to ask you about that, about nurturing them because, <clears throat> excuse me, you really prioritize. And I see this from, I've witnessed this myself, um, the community's best interest. Like you, mm-hmm. that that's a priority. Like you and I might be talking to someone who wants to advertise with PMG, and and you're you're willing to say no, thank you, to thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars if it doesn't suit this community and really serve them. And I think that's really respectable, and it's it's something that so many people miss, right? When they're trying mm-hmm. to build an online community, how did did you like? just figure that out over time or can you give some insight on how to really keep their best interest in mind in, in the whole journey?
1: Yeah, I think like in the beginning, I was like just like really scared. Like I felt like, um, I remember I used to say a lot, I would be scared that every day I would make a fatal move or like the whole group would just implode and like go away, right? And I think that this like goes back to anybody that's listening that has kids. Like it's the same thing. Like right, you you have a kid, and the first like freaking month of that kid's life, like how many times are you checking to make sure that kid's breathing? Right, like you're like, yeah. oh my god, like I just want to make sure they're breathing. Like you know, because you hear all these bad stories, right? And so I think it's the same thing with the community. Like I think for a while it was like my infant, right? And I was like, oh my gosh, is it still alive? Is everybody happy? Um, which is a really actually an interesting time because the flip side to that is. I became a people pleaser and that is not good either. Um, and it took me years of coaching to get out of that people pleasing mode and thinking everyone's going to hate me, uh, being okay when people hate me. Um, and just knowing that just, that's just part of being successful. Like if you don't have someone hating you, you just haven't hit enough success yet. Like (laughs) you've got to get someone hating you. Right. Um, Yeah. Or, or you're playing it safe. Like you're kind of like Aaron Burr in Hamilton, right? Like you're just like, you know, you're trying to be too charismatic and like, you know, appease the masses. Right. It's like, if you're not going to stand for something, you're going to fall for anything. Right. Right. So I think that that's something I had to learn early on, but I was like really, really scared. Um, So I think my nurturing was more of like me coddling, like maybe probably, probably in a way, like just really coddling the community. Um, But then at, at some point I was like, okay, this is not sustainable. Like at some point, you know, I need, I need to figure out like where, you know, where's my independence and what does this group need and how can I get it to the group? So if the group needs more education, if they need more resources, if they need whatever it may be, like, okay, how can I do that? Knowing that I'm going to lose members, I'm going to gain members, I'm going to be hated, I'm going to be loved. Like all of the human experience is going to happen to me. Um, And that was a really big pivotal moment because the other options I, I had offered myself was uh, quit. Like I can, um, you know, just shut down the group. Right. Um, I could, um, and these are not wrong options. I mean, anybody could choose whatever they want. And I respect it all. You know, I could, I could shut down the group or I could decide, you know what, forget this nurturing BS, you know, I'm just not the group run wild, you know, and if it becomes less valuable to people then oh, well, right. I could do that. Or, step three, is I can recommit to the group and be like, okay, like, okay, this is the new Hala. I'm not the same holla that I was when I started the group. I'm not this like overwhelmed mom of three. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit more of a mature leader. I've gotten a little bit more education, a little bit more training and community management. Like this is what I want to do kind of almost like rebranding myself. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or I could sell the group. I mean, or, I mean, even though I think that's against like policies for, for Facebook, but, um, But there's a lot of people out there wanting to buy groups, you know, Mm -hmm. they want to buy your audience. And I know of another group, um, not of women physicians, but another group um, that's uh, healthcare related um, that went for multiple six figures. Um, And they had less than half the members that I do. So um, like maybe a third or maybe a little less. So I think that, um, you know, and that's, I mean, maybe some people would do that. If they're in my position. Like, like, Hey, I'm going to cash out. I'm going to you know, make a good million dollars right. and, and leave. Right. This is my, this is my exit plan. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think I started had to, having to think like, why am I doing this? And I don't identify anymore with that girl on the couch that was like overwhelmed, having chest pain, anxiety, texting the girl who I was always like super scared of. I don't identify with her anymore. That's not me anymore, but I also don't want to forget her oh, because yeah. that's, that's a starting point for a lot of people who enter my group. Right, so I need to remember what she needed at that time, Um, and then you know all the different phases of Hala and what I needed um, because I'm just an example of other people. And then there's people who are way more advanced than me. There's people who have adult children. I don't even know what they need. Right, I have no idea. You know, or maybe that's just not what we serve. I have no idea. So I mean, I think just being open and understanding that the group's needs will change, and just really being um, aware. Right. of that and being willing to adapt. So yeah, you're right. There's times that people approach and say, Hey, I've been through, you know, usually the emails start with like, I have a really good opportunity for you. And it is <laughs> never a good opportunity. For <laughs> <me>. Um, <laughs> but, um, but sometimes, you know, some of them get past and they're like, you know, I mean, let's talk. And it's really just people trying to try take advantage of high earning six figure women. Right. You know? Right. Um, <clears throat> so when I see that I'm like, I don't care, I don't care if I'm making six figures off of it. That's not that's not okay to use my community for that. Um, again, if it doesn't benefit the community and there's a lot of other ways I can partner with them. I mean, I've you know kind of been a brand ambassador for a couple of brands, I've consulted, I've helped with social media marketing on their end more from like a conceptual idea of like, how do you like, uh, like for health tech companies and health companies, like how, how can they better their messaging Mm -hmm. Uh, to like really talk to the healthcare clinician, whether they're a physician or anything else in the healthcare field. So there's a lot of ways to partner with me, you know? Um, And I think that that's been really neat in my growth.
0: Right. So I want to ask you about um, something that you said that stood out to me Mm -hmm. about remembering that version of you and what you Mm -hmm. needed back then when you decided to start PMG. Um, even though you're not that way and the same exactly anymore. And that's something that I've talked about, like, as far as um, anybody that's going out in the online marketing world on social media, like trying to teach or help or, you know, offer services, whatever they're doing. Right. And that's a cool perspective to come from. Like, think about what five years ago you needed or 10 years ago you needed, you know, I mean, do you find that to be hard to do? Like, I feel like you probably have to like check yourself. Right. Sometimes and remember, remember that version of you to be able to then connect to somebody else. Cause you're right. So many of them are going to be like, have more in common with that version of hollow than this one. (laughs) Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And for sure. And a lot of people now, like um, they look at me, Oh, sorry. Um, They look at me and they Uh, it's funny before I felt like they identified with me a lot more, like when the group was smaller and more intimate. And now like when I meet people, oftentimes, this is just like my perspective of it. Like there is like such, I feel like they put me on a pedestal, like there's such a gap um like a lot of people are like oh I feel like I'm meeting a celebrity I'm not a celebrity like I mean people listening are like who is this girl like I'm not a celebrity right and so like <laughs> you know but that's what they say these are words that they use right and and like when I think of celebrity status I don't think I have a lot in common with them. like if you think of like several like you know I don't know Kim Kardashian whatever like like I mean I, I'm I'm a big Kardashian fan so I mean, what do you mean you and them, I are
0: like the same person Holla. <laughs> I know right
1: <laughs> but I'm like I mean, like, I look at like the early days, like when she was just like the stylist or like the closet organizer for Paris yeah. Hilton. And I'm like, you know, and she's like a really shy in the background. I'm like, oh my God, like that's so cute. Like I kind of identify with that girl, right? But the girl who's like, you know, dating whoever the, how the heck she wants, she like flies on a, you know, a, a private jet to Bahamas. I'm like, whoa, that's celebrity status. Like I will never get there, right? And so I think if I ever met Kim, I think it would be like a lot more me admiring her instead of me enjoying her company. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so, so I'm always trying to remember like where I came from and like, why, like, I mean, I, I, am not as flashy, you know, or I don't have like the money that Kim has, but like, (laughs) even like the word choices I use or like the parts of my life, like now, like, you know, I work with fortune 500 companies. I, you know, I collaborate with, you know, international organizations. I'm a NSF, you know, partner and things like that. Like, these are things like when you talk to that girl on the couch, if I told that girl on the couch, like, Hey, within a decade you're going to be like oh like a really household name in the physician world I'd be like no 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 I'm quitting Like, you don't understand I'm quitting right so like I have to remember you know where I came from and make sure that I'm still relatable to my community because I was the first member of the group right so like I have to remember like that's where some people's starting points are and so the other thing too is that I did a lot of my professional development in private um for a lot of reasons but I did it kind of in private and so when I kind of came out the other side like you know I got all of this education and training I hired you know a coach um and things like that like things that like were a little bit woo in the medicine world and like taboo like when I started doing all of that I was doing it in private and then all of a sudden I came out like this like rebranded person and people were like who the heck are you you know what I mean so I kind of had to remember like to 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 journal my um my journey so people can follow along. And if people are trying to use me and kind of as an accountability partner or whatever it may be, like they are with me every step of the way, you know? So it's really a big commitment. Um, And for me, like before, like eight years ago, I was trying to find a community to answer my nanny question. And really I was in survival mode. And now what I'm trying to do is be like, normalize the survival mode. Like, yeah, it freaking sucks, right? I get it. If you don't go through it, you're a freaking unicorn, right? So fine, right? And so that's where you're there and that's fine. And we're gonna love on you. And we're going to give you all the support that you need. We're gonna give you all the answers to all your nanny questions or whatever it is that you have, right? We're gonna be there. um, And then when you're ready, we're gonna freaking prepare you to fight the patriarchy because we can only fight the patriarchy if we're
0: each ready for that, you know? If you're in survival mode, it's like, you're like, okay, girl, um, (laughs) I'm not there yet. (laughs) Yeah. And the
1: patriarchy wins Mm. when we're in survival mode, you know, and, you know, going back to like, why, why, I mean, there is an actual organization called American, uh, wait, AMWA, American Medicine (laughs) Women Association, Uh, American Medical Women Association. Sorry. Um, They're an amazing organization. Um, and almost every specialty, like AMA, AOA, all of these huge organizations, uh, that exist in medicine, they all have like a woman's section. Right. But look at that. I mean, that's awesome. And I want them to keep doing that. Um, but before PMG really, at least in my world and in most people's world, we were very isolated. So the only time I was like communicating with other women physicians was, I was transferring or consulting a patient on a, you know for a patient on the phone but like we weren't being like hey girl let's go out to coffee like it wasn't like that at all it was just like hey I just hope she doesn't think I'm stupid I'm going to try to present as like you know because we're all critical of one another um but then when we would go to our professional meetings like it's a professional meeting and so most people they only really in my experience like they only really like uh partied with the people that they knew it's very hard as an adult as a, and, and in our profession to like make new friends, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the intimidation factor is high, it's like a lot of ego wars and things like that. And so, and so I think that's how the patriarchy in medicine wins is when they isolate us, you know? So here I was working in a very rural hospital in California, only one other woman, there was like eight women in the whole hospital, right? What power do I have? Zero, mm-hmm. right? But now I built this community you know, over hundred thousand people. And guess what happened first? I had all these organizations reaching out to me. They are freaking scared. Yeah. And now, um, I mean, now I've learned how to collaborate with them actually. I, be- I just became a columnist for one of them for a social media um, column, which I was just telling you about before I got on. Um, and that's really cool and exciting. And there's different ways I can collaborate with all these organizations. But at first it was like, Hey, we just want to know what you're doing. Cause like, they were just like, scared that we were going to like revolt um, you know, or something, right. you know, like, I don't know what were they thought we we're going to do. Um, no, I don't want now, PMG mad at me. <laughs> I know. I know a lot of, like a lot of businesses and some of them are like, Oh shoot. Like we don't want, we, we don't want the wrath of PMG. Not that we do anything, but like, I think it's just like this idea that like a lot of things are public now, now things can't be hidden in private. You can't do something really messed up and expect it to be a secret. Right. You know? Um, and so I think that that's one of, one of the ways. And so I think that there's power in community, um, and whether the community does not have to be over a hundred thousand people, it could be whatever it is, but I think that there's power in that. And I think that when I remember that and and I restructure my value system. So you asked a really good question, like, how do I, you didn't ask it like this, but this is how I interpret it. Like, how do I not go for greed and money and power yeah. or whatever it may be, right? And how do I keep the community as priority yep. is um, really, I I really try to live a values-based life. Um, it's more of a legacy mindset. And, and you guys can all Google it and learn a little bit more about it. But basically, all these great leaders that leave tremendous legacy, you know, Steve Jobs, um, whether, you not, whether you like these people or not, it doesn't really matter. But they've no. changed the world, right? Like Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, Oprah, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, like all these people, um, they have a legacy mindset. Like they have a value system and everything fits in that value system. So if their value system is innovation, like they're all about innovation. So when you think, when you hear Steve Jobs, like the the reason why he was so committed to Apple and making the iPhone and all the things that we're probably listening to this podcast on, um, either if it's an Apple product or it was inspired by an Apple product, is his vision was he wanted to change how humans interacted by the use of technology. It wasn't I want to make the best MacBook Pro. It wasn't I want to make the like the most highest selling phone. He was like. I want to change how the world communicates. right? And then all the things that he did were underneath that. right? Oprah, if you, if you learn about her, her value system is education. She's like, I want to make sure that people are educated, whether that's storytelling um, through, you know, all of the things that she does, whether that's investing in, you know, schools for girls, right. She's all about like, how can I educate more people? How can I reach more people with knowledge and sharing stories and making this world smaller by having that shared human experience. So each of these people I named, they all have a value system and everything that they do is under that value system. Right. Um, and so I think just like watching their stories and then like figuring out like what's Hava's version of that and developing my value system. So it like on, um, not on PMG website, but on my personal website, I actually have like a values uh, Finder, because like I was like so freaking confused. I was like, I don't know what I want in life. like I just knew I was like really unhappy because even after I made PMg and like it was successful and it was amazing, I felt even more pressure. I was like, right. what the hell like I, I was I was stressed out about three kids at that time. Now I feel like I have seventy thousand or whatever at the time I had, plus yeah. three kids, right? Um, and so I was like, well, what do I really want? And I was just really unhappy and I was like, you know, is this all I'm gonna be all my life? Is this all I'm gonna be? I'm gonna be a doctor. And like that sounds freaking ridiculous. A lot of people die to be doctors. Like they're like <laughs> trying to go to the medical school, right? It's like girl, you're at the top. Only of the a doctor? Oh my gosh. I know like is that all you're gonna be is this all my life is gonna be I feel like I'm on a hamster wheel of life I feel like my life is
0: on cruise control yeah right so it's not about that it's it's not ridiculous it's your perspective and you what you were actually feeling at that time in that in that situation it totally makes sense yeah yeah and I I feel like this is like version two hollow like version one hollow is
1: the girl on the couch like with
0: chest pain right version
1: two is like okay I'm wildly successful now what the f do I want like why am I doing all of this right? And then I was like really lost and I was really lost for about two years. And that's when I kind of went radio silent off of PMG. I really didn't know what I wanted to do with PMG. I didn't know if I really wanted to work as a doctor anymore. I didn't know. I mean, there was a lot going on in my life. It wasn't just that I was lost. I was you know, pregnant with a second set of twins. Um, I, my mom was dying of cancer. She actually died during that pregnancy. Um, I was turning 40. So I call that that trifecta of my mid career crisis. Like it just like all hit at once. And I was like, what the hell am I going to do right now? Out of, I mean, I've done a lot of shit. What do I want to keep doing? What do I not want to keep doing and why it can't be money. I have money. Money is not making me happy. And I believe me, like nobody ever thinks they have enough money. Like that (laughs) is like, (laughs) you know what, like that is not going to happen. Right. So like I had money, like, so when I was making like $50,000 a month, I mean, I'm not, not a month. My God. I don't make that now. Okay. $50,000 a year. (laughs) Um, I mean, you know what I make my gosh. Okay. So $50,000 a year when I was a resident, you know, and I was a senior resident, I thought I was raking in the cash. Right. I still thought like, I have no money. I'm so poor. And then, you know, I graduated, I was working as a physician I was making, you know, a lot more than $50,000 a year, like multiple times that And I still was thinking like, yeah. I don't have enough money. Right. So like, I think that's just like a natural, like money scarcity thing for people who live in money scarcity. And there might be people here that's like, I make $75,000 and I live like a king and that's awesome. Right. And I want you to, I want you to still think like that, but a lot of people in this world think with scarcity, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money, whatever it may be. Right. Um, so I think at that point I started having to think like, okay, well, how do I want to solve this problem? There's no wrong starting point. I just got to start. And so I was just like, well why am I doing all of this? And I was really really searching for my purpose, um, which is a very common thing I'm finding for women um, around the age between 35 and 40. And this mid-career crisis is very common, especially in high-powered professionals, people who you know, um, go to school for a very long time, who are promised uh, happiness um, you know at the end right? So you're like, Oh, I'll be happy when I graduate college. And you're like, shit, like, I can't get a job. Okay. You'll be happy when you graduate from medical school. And you're like, crap. Like I still have to go to res- Oh, And then it's just like, keeps going. Yes. Keeps going. Keeps going. So, yeah. So I was just like, okay, well, what's going to make me happy? Um, men usually go through this, even if they're doctors, they usually go through this, like around the age of 50. And there's like documented studies on this and we could do a whole nother podcast on this. But like, so once I realized this, I was like, okay, well, you know, this is not a really well-navigated area. Maybe I become the subject matter matter expert on this, and maybe I change. You know, the minds. Uh, I, I make. I, I allow women physicians and other women to go through this process with less time and less agony. Because if I can get women to do that, and go through that with less agony in shorter amount of time, that's like more time that they can dedicate to all of the impact that they're gonna have, whether that is forming communities, whether that's just like having an amazing medical practice, whether that's um, volunteering, serving people. I don't know what, I, I don't care what it is, right? But I think all of us who are trying to have businesses and try to serve people, not only are we trying to be successful entrepreneurs and make money, but we're really trying to help people. Like whether you have a product, you're trying to make people's lives easier. It, right. it doesn't matter what it is. Right. We want to. We want people to be happy. Right. Right. And so the less time we like spend in our mind and get in our own way, like the more we can actually get to serving the people and, right. and establishing our legacy. Right. And so for me, like, that's kind of where I'm at, at least in the last, I don't know, four or five years. Um, and so I have to remember that hollow now, you know, um, and also cater to that and, and kind of how do I, and this is not the right path for everybody, but how do I, how do I show people how to do that? Um, and there's ways to do that, whether it's with like, you know, the community and messaging and things like that. Um, and obviously I do think outside the community too. Um, but I think it's, I think it's just knowing what the community needs and really having your finger on the pulse of it. And I think, I see a lot of community leaders, they don't spend time in their community and then they wonder like why yeah. they feel so dis- disconnected. Right.
0: And it's like, well, cause you don't know your people. Right. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, yes, that's exactly, you know, <clears throat> Facebook groups, like you, like you said, like how many get started? It's not just Facebook, but like, that's the great example is that, you know, how many get started all the time and then just like, don't make it. And they start dropping like flies. But when I was going to, um, what I was going to compliment you on and see if you had any words of wisdom around this, like something that I've noticed specifically that you're good at with the <clears throat> members of physician moms group is you, you're open to lots of things, uh, conversations and everything. Right. And you like validate someone's feelings. So like, there's, there's not, you just don't have this mindset of like, I'm right. You're wrong in within that community. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause it's obviously a lot of people are represented all different types, all different ways of life, all, all the things. And I've just noticed that you like, I've never really seen you Someone f- made, made me feel bad for feeling a certain way, or their experience, like you said. Whether it's like maybe it's with sexism, or maybe it's something totally different. Um, how, do you think that's like a natural trait in you that you're open-minded to listen to people and and take in and, and trust that those are their real feelings, or is that something you had to work on? Oh no, I, I learned. I had to learn really quickly. <laughs> I
1: learned quickly, and you know, um, you know, I think that it started really with um, I think, well, one, it was like me being in a situation that I never thought I was going to be in. And so me having that idea like, maybe like this person that's going through the situation, even though I don't identify with it, I don't really understand it, but I never thought I was going to be in the position I was in when I was like struggling to figure out how to hire a nanny. Right. Which may seem ridiculous to other people. Um, and I wasn't validated, right? Like people at work were like, oh, you girl, you got this. Like, oh, you're, you're just stressing out about nothing or, you know, or you don't really need a nanny. Right. So, so I think I experienced that. So I think I was a little bit more open, but I really had to learn a lot, especially, um, even though I am Brown, I'm Egyptian of Egyptian descent. I'm first generation here in this country, um, surrounding social justice issues, racism and stuff like that. And I'm still freaking learning every single day. I had to learn a lot. I've made a lot of mistakes. I hurt a lot of people with what I thought was positive messaging, which was not. Um, and so I think I'm just constantly learning. And I think, I think when I now, I think you go through this period where like, you're like, okay, I'm trying to be an expert. I'm trying to be an expert. And then you're like, oh man, I'm an expert. Everybody thinks I'm an expert. And I think the true experts out there, I don't care who it is. I don't care what field it is. I think when you get to a certain level of expert, like you almost have like this like weird ambiguity. You're like, well, anything's possible. Like in my experience, this is what normally happens, but I guess anything's possible, right? And you start realizing that you don't know everything. And I think that that's what I strive to be. Like when I'm in a situation where I think I know the right answer for me to check myself and be like, "Mm, no, like, I think I know the right answer but possibly this could be changed into a suggestion. Uh, but not the only, and there's not, you know, it's kind of like that, you know, there's multiple ways to skin a cat. Right. And right. so, um, I mean, I think in medicine, I think, I think when in medicine, sometimes that's not true. It's like, no, there's only one way to treat a heart attack right now. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? So, um, <laughs> yeah. which is not true. There's actually like, you know, two ways, but like, whatever, <laughs> right. There's like the limited ways. Right. And so, um, so I think in med- I think that, and that's like where I think, especially in women that are so like high powered, especially in medicine um, and maybe in law or whatever, like these ones, like there are so- some right answers. I think it's really hard for them to step back and be like, okay, that doesn't apply to all of life. Right. 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 Like there are science, science and math, there are like proven answers, but like outside of that, you know, there's still, even in science and math, there's a lot of theories. There's a lot of gray area. Right. But outside of that, like the rest of life is gray. So I yeah. think just being open to that. And it's funny because like, I'm married to an aerospace engineer who um, is very black and white as far as like answers, you know? So I'm always like, you know, having to kind of step outside that and be like, actually, no, that's not, I mean, there's a possibility that it's not either one of these answers. Right. And so it's just always checking myself and realizing I don't have the answers to everything. I'm not all knowing. Right. Um, and the more that I learn, the more that I could actually serve people and serve myself and have professional development. I mean, I didn't, I've been committed to professional development, meaning my mindset. Right. Um, but part of that is always realizing that you're evolving. And so right. I hope I never stop learning. I yeah. hope I don't.
0: No, it's, that's so right. And, and so, you know, like kind of on the flip side uh, at, to kind of get a little behind the scenes look here at leading this kind of community, this huge, powerful community is like, yes, you're, you are super considerate um to not only feelings but all all the things that someone could present right like somebody could post something in the PMG group and you lord only knows what topic it's going to be right you just and you so you're very open and you're very considerate of of all of those things but what i'm wondering is like on the back end i feel like that could be exhausting sometimes right like i feel like there's got to mm-hmm. be is there a pressure do you feel that pressure or maybe you've worked through it and gotten better over time to lead this kind of huge community to be this really great person that's welcoming and kind and all these things and then i don't know i feel like that would be a lot on you sometimes um it
1: really is and i think that there's like a couple of missing factors here one is like i don't run pmg alone um i have like you know 23 moderators um i when i was picking them um I was very cognizant that I didn't want anyone spending lots of time moderating. Like I'm like, please do not spend more than 30 minutes a week. Like if you are spending more than 30 minutes a week, like we need to have more moderators, you know? I want it to be something that's like a really low lift for them. Um, I do think it's a really good, uh, like, ma- like more management opportunity and leadership growth. Um, my moderators are freaking awesome. Um, a lot of them have, because of their experience in PMG and their leadership, as far as being moderators, a lot of them have gotten um, director jobs, uh, more opportunity speaking opportunities, they're experts in you know community management. So, um, so I don't do this by myself. So I just wanna like preface that.
0: That's cool. Um,
1: and I pick them uh, because they think differently than me, whether it's uh, socially, politically, um, we are all different. Um, specialties I'm emergency medicine um but not everybody is emergency medicine we have like a good plethora of different specialties um and so I think it's really important to have people um so when there is a hard topic where it's a very gray area uh we talk about it and and I think it makes all of us better and it makes all of us all of us better not only for the community but also like we serve patients right so our community is just like kind of it's a mirror image of what we see in real life too, right? And so I think that's really important. So that's one thing. Um, So I don't do it alone. The other thing too, is I have learned to build a lot of boundaries. So I was spending more than 40 hours a week on PMG, on cultivating the community, trying to figure out, you know, all of the onboarding process, all these things that go into like managing community um, more than 40 hours a week for multiple years, you guys. So now I don't do that. I've learned to build boundaries, right. um, and that's one of the reasons why I brought you on. Like I was like, okay, I need, I need help. <laughs> First of all, I need help, and um, I had been following you for a little bit of time, and um, I didn't want you to think I was like, you know, a creeper. But I just really loved the way that you were showing up on social media, <laughs> and I was like dude, she has a superpower that I want to learn from and, you know, I want to work with. And I only really hire women-owned uh, businesses um, and small businesses. So, like, it was, like, you would just, like, check all the boxes. <laughs> but the other thing, too, is that um, I also, like, you help me protect my time, you know? And I think that that's such an important, and and other people who are on my team, too. Yeah. Um, like my website team and things like that. And, and then you guys, like, I feel like we're a big family in kumbaya and we all text each other and love each other. Um, but I feel like everyone, uh, I, I need to be cognizant of your time. So, I mean, there's times I, like, I won't email you things because I'm like, okay, like I'm, uh, not not because you've ever told me not to, I, in fact, you tell me to keep emailing you. you. <laughs> but I'm like, I don't want you to feel like I am like bombarding you with things that like, there's other priorities you know that I have, and I'm like, okay, like next month we're gonna work on this. I'm very cognizant of our time together yeah. and what are the priorities, you know, and then you're cognizant of my time. So there's times that like there's people who want meetings with me. And um, for anybody who follows me on social media, I've been um, having a couple of surgeries. I did a prophylactic vasectomy, which means I removed my breast tissue to decrease my chance of having cancer. I did not have cancer, but my mom did. And I had a really high risk of having cancer. And so, you know, telling Brittany uh, months before I was having surgery, like, hey, I'm gonna have surgery. Like, how do we prepare to protect my time? And like, you legit gave me like two months off um, and really did a lot of the heavy lifting or we, you know, we tried to plan as much as we could, you know, together in advance. So like having people on your team that have the same interests of like them protecting their time, you them helping you protect your time, I mm-hmm. think is really, really important in having that boundary. Um, you know, full circle here, when, when I wanted to leave medicine, like in the beginning, when I made PMG, and I was like, I need an exit plan. One of the key factors that I realized is that my entire identity was um, being a doctor. And all my friends were doctors. All my friends were really at the hospital too. Um, So when when your whole life is revolved around your identity or like a certain group of people, whatever it may be, when one thing goes wrong, like your whole world feels like it's falling apart.
0: Right. The The stakes are like really high in that instance, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Yeah, and like I was coaching one of my clients on this and she, uh, she's freaking brilliant. And so she said like, you know, kind of look, if you look at a book that's being sold in a store you look at the back of the book, there's like a little barcode on there, right? So you can actually like pay for the book, right? But the barcode doesn't determine all the value of the book, right? Like, so like there's still like a whole cover that has nothing to do with the barcode. And so she's like, that's kind of like what, being a doctor is your barcode being a social media marker is your barcode, right? Like whatever, whoever's listening, whatever you your profession is or whatever, that's your barcode. Being a mom is a barcode, right? Like So you have tons of barcodes. It just, sometimes we just decide to focus on one. So for me, I think that I'm very cognizant about PMG not being, just staying as a barcode, you know and not being the whole page, right? And so I think that that boundary of time and space and then also it helps me be more creative. like. If right. I have, I mean, it's like, you know, distance makes the heart grow fonder. Like, you know, you need a little <laughs> bit of space, a little bit to be like breathing and, and experiencing life, right. For me to go back to the community and have content. Right. right? Like I, I can't make content be like, I spent all day working on PMG yesterday. Like, I, I can't <laughs> do that. Right. Like, and you'd be like, I was out for a walk and I, this, something really, really interesting happened. Right. Like, what do you guys think about it? Right. So like, So I think you just have to live your life too. This is just part of my life. It doesn't define me. And honestly, like a good gut check for me is if something happened to PMG and it closed or I lost it, right? um, How would I feel? And the truth is I feel freaking damn proud of myself. For a freaking decade, I started a wave of feminism in medicine in this country I created a national holiday. I have affected thousands of women that I know have like reached out to me and told me, and I'm not just saying that I affected them. They've told me that I've affected them, right? In a positive manner. I've also had people tell me that I've affected them in a negative manner. And that's a whole other thing. Uh, Cause you know, you have to be successful and have your haters and that's okay. And you have to have your criticism, right? And there's, that's okay. Um, but I would feel freaking damn proud of myself. And then I would just rebuild it because you've helped me build processes of how to rebuild it, right? Because like, I don't own anything on Facebook, right? Mark owns Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg owns Facebook. So I don't own any of these people. I don't own my community. So it's like, okay, how do you build an email list and all that stuff? But that stuff I didn't know, I didn't learn that in medical school. I didn't even learn that in business school. So like, that's where like you and I and my website team, like that's where that came from. Like if something were to happen, if I chose to rebuild a community, I would have all the tools and I would not
0: even blink an eye. Right. Right. You know. Well, that's, that's really good advice on specifically <laughs> Facebook communities. I mean, mm-hmm. to get super specific, anybody out there that's wanting to start one or that has started one or whatever. It's, it's a really smart idea to have a, a second touch point. Just, it doesn't even have to be a big ordeal. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be two emails a week. Like PMG does. It doesn't, it, it's whatever you want it to be, but you're right. Like to have that alternate thing going on. Cause when you do put all your eggs in the one basket, especially whenever it's Facebook and you don't own the community, you know, that, that yeah. group, technically um, it, you never know what could happen. So why not have that email list or that, I know people are doing the texting thing now. I like I, I feel I sound so old saying that. Um, <laughs> having in the
1: olden days. No, just
0: kidding. Yeah, I know. I just know having something. Texting. I mean,
1: getting texting from other people is like, this is really phenomenal. I feel like <laughs> I feel like a boomer. I'm like, wow, this is really progressive. <laughs> I love it. Well,
0: you, okay. So you mentioned. Um, creating a national holiday uh national women physicians day um yeah is, is coming up soon so this episode is releasing on monday january 31st 2022 and your day is what february 3rd,
1: 3rd. yeah that's it's cool so before yeah.
0: i before i let you go if you wouldn't mind just like tell us where did that come from like why did, how did that get formed what was the deal the story Yeah. So women
1: in medicine, uh, you know, they face a lot of sexism. I've shared a little bit of that, um, from like an admin perspective, like being passed over for promotions, but it doesn't stop there. I mean, it's with patients too. Um, you know, there's many times I walk in a room and, you know, I'm wearing a white coat. I have my badge on that says, you know, in big letters, doctor, um, I have my name embroidered on my coat that says doctor, you know, and, like I really try to look and act the part and I will walk in and I, this is exactly how I introduce myself for, for, to patients. I say, hi, my name is Dr. Hollis Sabri and I'm going to be your doctor today. So I've said it twice, right? And um, literally almost, I mean, I would say a good 80% of the time, you know, there's always at some point it's like, you know, they're on their phone They're like, oh, hold on, the nurse is here, you know, <laughs> or, um, you know, when I come back and I'm like, okay, here's your results. And this is what we're going to do. This is the plan. You know, how do you, what do you think about that? You know, just like making shared decision-making, giving them autonomy and independence and all the things that a good doctor does. And they'll be like, okay, but when is the doctor going to come in? And I'm like, (laughs) I have examined you naked. Like, who did you think I was? Like, who are you allowing to do this to you? Right. And so, um, but I think it's just like this, we're socialized to believe that medicine is a man's world. Right. And so I don't blame people. I just want to educate people. Yeah. And and it, and it's actually worse when you are brown or black and you're a physician. You know, I've been asked to, you know, clean up coffee on the floor. I've been asked to take out the trash. Um my black uh physician counterparts, they have horror stories that are much worse than what I'm just mentioning. Um yesterday I was actually on a phone with my friend who's an OBGYN and she um she was like kind of venting to me about a case that uh, the person didn't want her treating her because she was black. And this is like a life or death situation. This isn't like you have sinusitis or, you know, whatever. This is a life and death situation, like the like life and death. And she's like, what do I do? Like, I don't want to make her uncomfortable. Uh, I also don't want to get sued for not operating on her immediately. Like she need and there's no other surgeon there. Like it's her, you know, and she's board certified in an OBGYN, you know, and, um. And, and it's almost like she almost, I mean, she puts her feelings aside about how freaking wow. yeah you know, yeah. horrible it is that you're being discriminated against for the color of her skin. Right. So it's just like, so, so black women have it, you know, in a, in a very different, in a different way. That's, you know, really horrible. So, uh, myself and, and another physician who happens to be a black woman physician, her name is Dr. Kim Jackson. Uh, we were on the phone one time and we're like, uh, Ooh, how can we like really like show the public that women, women, the woman in the room might be your doctor. Like, why don't we just assume that she's a doctor first? And then like, and there's nothing wrong with being a nurse and nothing wrong with being custodial. There's nothing wrong with any of that. Okay. It's just like, how can it's we inaccurate? Can we that's not life? what you are. Yeah. <laughs>
0: like, it's, it's,
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I was a nurse, I'd, I'd rock that, <laughs> you know, that's cool. Right. And, and you know, I'm sure nurses get, you know, their own discrimination or especially male nurses too, because male nurses are you know the For minority sure. in that, in that field. So anyways, like, I just think that, like, we were like, well, how can we, how can we educate the public? Right. And so uh, I was like, well, why, why, why don't we just make a holiday? Right. And we're like, I'm okay. Listen, something that you guys need to know about me, and Brittany knows this already I dream really big. Yeah. I suck at executing everything, but I dream very good, <laughs> you know. And uh, the execution part is like where I start like getting a lot of people together to help me because uh, it's hey, not that's, easy. That's how yeah. it is. It's not easy. Right. Um, and you know, so I, I Googled, like, how do you develop a national holiday? And like, it turns out like you can actually apply for one and they only allow so many new holidays a year and it's not whatever. And I was like, I don't have time for that. I need to make a holiday now. And so, uh, we're like, okay, Dr. Elizabeth Blackwell was the first physician in the United States. Her birthday is February 3rd. Um, that was coming up like in two or three months. And I was like, let's, let's do it. And I was like, listen, how do we know it's dog day? Okay. I don't even know if dog day exists, but what happens is you start seeing a friend and they're like, oh my God, let my dog, blah, blah, blah. Hashtag dog day. And then you're like, oh crap. My dog is going to be so pissed if I do not (laughs) post about my dog. Right. So then you start putting your dog, then everybody starts putting their dog and nobody actually knows if it's dog day. Right. So (laughs) it's like a social media chain reaction. And I was like, what if we just decided it was national woman Physicians day? Right. So I'm at my brother-in-law's house in New Jersey at the time visiting, okay? It's, it's like around, I think Thanksgiving, right? This is all happening in November. And my brother-in-law's like helping me Google, like how to make a national holiday. So we're like, F it, we're just gonna do it, right? So we picked the day and everything. My other friend that was there, uh, her name's Agata Alvarez, and she, is a, she works in PR for like car companies and like software companies. She was like, you guys need a press release. I was like- There you go. I don't know what that is. And she's like, I'll help you. Right. So guess what? So we start, so we tell the, we tell the community, Hey, we're going to do a national Physicians day and we're going to celebrate Elizabeth Blackwell's birthday. And so we're like, Hey, we need a couple of people to like give quotes for this PR release. Okay. Guess who's in our freaking group? Who? One of the descendants of Elizabeth Blackwell. No. Yes. I was like,
0: what? This is crazy. So we get a quote from her. We get of course, some other everybody's in PMG. Like I'm meeting people in my neighborhood that are in PMG. Of course.
1: <laughs> I know. Everybody either knows about it or, you know, or they're part of it. And, um, and so, so yeah, so I was like, okay, so we do the PR release and it gets on national news. Like it's trending on Twitter, doc McStuffins, on, you know, their Disney junior page, they do a dedicated post for it. Wow. Um, and we're like, <laughs> We just did it. We created a national holiday, right? And so, and so every every February third, we 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 do it. So, anyways, the next year I actually applied, and, I, and now we are on the national holiday schedule, um, which is awesome. Um, and so, yeah, so so that's something that you know, Dr. Kim Jackson and I did. She went on to take the reins of um, Doctors Week. Uh, we've always only had Doctors Day on March thirtieth, um, which is barely ever celebrated <laughs> and ever. Uh we get nothing. We get like more work handed to us. Um and she was like, you know what? Like every other healthcare line has like multiple weeks. It's like ER nurse week, nurse week, nurse practitioner week. And we just we're happy for them. We want to celebrate all the nurses. We want to celebrate all the techs. We want to celebrate all the people. But so, like we want to be celebrated too, you know yeah. And yeah. so she went on, so I, I kind of took the reins of National and Physicians Day and she took the reins of na- um, National Physician Week. And uh, she's doing really amazing work. And she has this group called Physicians Working Together. Her name's Dr. Kim Jackson. She's really super amazing. Um, and so, yeah, so every year, you know, we kind of give, give each other a high five, you know, through text messaging on both of those times. And we just know that we're just changing the world.
0: That is really special. Well, it's coming up soon. Yeah right after this episode releases. Um, I'm excited to see all the cool stuff that you have coming out in, in the PMG community and how it's all going to be celebrated. It's going to be really amazing. Um, okay. Before I let you go, tell everybody how they can find you, especially because you have opportunities for, cause you've also like added this whole other part of your business with coaching, you know, yeah. like, like we mentioned early on high performance women, um, in a lot of them in male dominated industries and all that stuff. So if they want to learn more about you, that business, um, PMG, if we have, uh, physicians listening, tell me all the things. And then of course, of course, we'll put it in the show notes as well.
1: Yeah. So PMG's website is mypmg.com and, um, and you can apply to be part of the group there. You can read a blog, um, you, you know, can just see what we're doing. We were on Today Show, so you can watch that little clip and that's really fun. Um, And what we're trying to do is really educate the public. We're coming out with like um, an awareness on tobacco um, and vaping uh, with one of our addiction specialists. So we're going to be doing a lot more with our website. So if you want to hear good medical information from um, actual doctors um, who really just care about protecting our kids, and, and you know, just doing the right thing, uh, follow us there and you can subscribe to be part of our uh, newsletter and you can see the amazing work that Brittany and I do together there. Um, I also, I have a website with my name, hollasabri.com or drhollasabri.com, they both lead to my website. And what I do there is really just more working more with businesses, one-on-one, um, I'm kind of not doing as much one on one because I have such a long wait list right now. and so I'm doing more of group coaching that's coming out in the, in in a couple of months. I need to get physically in the space that I could be doing that um, as I have one more surgery. But I'm basically going to be coming out with a really super new community that will make coaching extremely accessible. That's one thing that I really am committed to is making sure that it's accessible. It's coaching is very expensive for people who, have paid for coaching. Um, mm-hmm. it does take a lot of time and there has to be a price on it. If you don't, I mean, you guys can listen to all the podcasts. Okay. You can listen, you could read all the books, right? There is a reason why like you can make changes, but then your growth stops at a certain point. And I think just having that person that's going to help you get to your results, keep you accountable, address your limiting beliefs, keep you on track, I think is really important. And so coaching is expensive and it's a commitment. And only when you put money where your mouth is, do you actually like make the changes that you need to make. Yes. Um, but I do want, I, I, I don't, I, I also, because of my understanding of feminism, I don't want it to to exclude, right. you know, people in different um, money brackets, you know? And of course I, I, I really talk to like high powered women in male dominated fields, you know, and most of them make over six figures. Um, But that doesn't mean that a lot of people that I serve, because, you know, I am first generation, I'm BIPOC, um, it is very common, and I'm not saying every single person does this, but it's very common in that group of people that if we are the breadwinners of our family or the breadwinners of our extended family as well, oftentimes we're, we're supporting multiple people in our family. Like, it's not just my nuclear family. It's like supporting people back. Right. I mean I'm still sent, I'm, I still send money back to Egypt um, we we've supported multiple family members through, throughout the year so my income doesn't just go to me and my five kids which isn't enough to try to support mm-hmm. but it's it's beyond that and so me understanding that and that dynamic and me really wanting to be equitable and allowing women from those kinds of backgrounds to be able to afford coaching really good quality coaching, I had to kind of restructure um, that business. So I'll be coming out with something new. So if you subscribe to my website, you know, you'll, you'll get the news when I'm ready to announce it and it's going to be super cool. Um, but yeah, but I think the key to all of this, I, I can only really do all of this is because I'm really working with you, Brittany and my website team. I, I really can't say enough about it. You guys have changed my life. There's been so many times I want to quit and, uh, I know that's not part of your job, but a lot of times I do message you (laughs) and I'm like, I'm having a horrible day, you know, um, you know, especially with COVID with, you know, kids being sick and it's an upper respiratory infection. Is it COVID? Is it not? And that stress. And so it's been really nice to have you on my team and to help you build your business too. And I think that that's the beauty of women owned businesses working, working together. And I just want to thank you.
0: Well, thank you too. That's something that's that's one final compliment I'll pay you today. And I've told you this before privately, is that you um you not only think something nice about someone, but you actually speak it and you actually are other people's cheerleaders. Um, a lot of people support and love you, but you do the same thing thing and that's probably why you get so much uh support and so much love from from other people because you're so great at that we we could be in a meeting with some people talking about pmg marketing stuff and you're not shy to be like britney's great at this and it's 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 sweet and it's kind but it's also um what a great way to just be like just in general in life. Right. we like too many times we might think something positive and we don't say it out loud, uh, even if it's just like, you know, nice shirt, whatever it is. And I just think you're a great example of that. of just speaking it out loud and putting all that positivity out into the world. I mean, clearly it's, you're getting it back. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I mean, I think when you start feeling confident in yourself and yeah,
1: it's, it's easy to do. I don't, I I can't say that I was always like this. I can't say that, but I'm, really loving the person I've become. And I just hope I just keep getting better and I'm only going to get better by collaborating with people. And, um, and, you know, it's funny, like when I, I remember when I was interviewing you, I was like, well, what's the, what's the goals for your business? Cause I want to make sure it's mutually beneficial. Right. And so I think it's really neat to be in it together and to grow together. And, you know, that whole community mindset, is not just PMG, it's the community of behind, behind the scenes, whether it's my moderators or, you know, it's you and my website team, like we're all community just trying to do good and trying to support a lot of people. So it's been an awesome ride. I think we've been working together for a little over a year. Uh, it's been amazing and you've really changed my life. So thank you for even having me on your podcast. I'm like really like flattered. (laughs) Um, I don't know why we didn't do this before. Um, we just need,
0: we, you know, we get geared up. Um, well, thank you for being on your time is precious. I know you've got a lot going on, so I really appreciate you taking the time. I know everybody's going to love this episode. We're going to celebrate national women physicians day Woo-hoo! here in a few days <laughs> and, um, and look in the show notes, everybody for all of Hala's stuff. So you can connect and follow her, follow her on her social media as well, just to stay, um, up to date on everything that's going on because it's just going to get better and better. Thank you, Hala. Well, thank you.